Father God, thank you. Thank you for dying on the cross so that our old lives could die and that we could live a new life with you that never, ever, ever ends. God, we pray that you would be with Tucker as he begins to walk in this new life, that as a babe in Christ, that he would uh, just learn to walk with you, that he would learn to keep in step with your spirit and follow you in all the things that he does and says and, and in the, the, the way that he goes with his life. Father, we, uh, we, we join in the, the heart and the prayer of, of Wes and Tiff and, and just saying, may we all in community be working together to help our, our children, our, the next generation, to walk in and with Christ. God, we just pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Hey, I know uh, there are still some people coming in, so if you've got room at your table, uh, maybe just kind of give a glance around and let people know that you've got a, a few seats there. I know we, we totally messed it up, but we want to be a people that include and, and invite people into our table and not exclude, so we'll kind of give, give it a second for everybody to get where they need to go. Say what? Yeah, if you've got extra seats, raise your hands, let people know. You've got a couple extra seats there for you, all right? And if, there's, if you need chairs at your table, there's a few chairs in the back. While you're waiting, I want to invite you to find Galatians chapter 5 in your Bible. If you need a Bible, there's one in the middle of your table. Uh, you can also use your smartphone, however you do that, all right? Galatians 5. We're going to jump into that here in just a few minutes. <clears throat> all right. So we, uh, this fall, we have been um, exploring the book of Galatians. We've been seeking God's word there, and we've done it with this series entitled Unlocking Freedom. And the whole idea is we know uh, oftentimes, you know, we're really excited about the fact that when we um, experience Christ, when we meet him, when we follow him in baptism, we're, you know, we have this freedom in Christ. But how do we live in that? How do we unlock that? How, what does it look like to, to really experience this freedom that we read about in the Gospels? And, uh, and so we've been going through the book of Galatians to help us discover that. And uh, we, including today, we've got three weeks left. And uh, then we'll kind of transition to our Christmas season here. I'm super excited about that. But uh, today we're in Galatians 5, 1 through 15. Um, here's the thing. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preach for just a little bit, and then we're going to dialogue around our tables a little bit, eat some food, and, uh, and then we're going to continue worshiping together, all right? So if you've got Galatians 5, you can follow along with me there. We've got it on the screen, and uh, we're going to read the first 15 verses. It says, For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. You are severed from Christ, you who will be justified by the law. You have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. You were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion is not from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. 
I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view, and the one who is troubling you will bear the penalty, whoever he is. But if I, brothers, still preach circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. I wish those who unsettle you would emasculate themselves. For you are called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. Let's pray. Father, we pray that you would speak to us through your word today, that we would hear truth from you, that you would use the Spirit to help us to understand these words that you've given to us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. In 2011, uh, the Sherman-Minton Bridge, which is on the west side of Louisville, it's like uh, I-64 on the west side, crosses over the river, uh, they found, uh, a group of people found dangerous cracks on the Sherman-Minton Bridge. Anybody remember that happening? And uh, there was even rumored to be like some holes in the bridge. And so they immediately shut it down. Good idea. We didn't want cars falling into the river. Uh, and, and when they shut that down, they were shutting down all traffic on I-64 headed to and from the great, great state of Indiana. And that was a huge problem for me because all of my family lives in Indiana. And at the time, my wife and I lived in Lexington, Kentucky, which is also connected into the I-64 corridor. And so to go home, we just drove straight through on I-64 to see my family, right? But when that happened, we had a problem. Because now there was no good way to cross the river and get to Indiana on I-64. Uh, you were either having to go like up 65 and through like these crazy back roads in Indiana. You can go through like there was no good detour either, right? It was terrible. And, and so right or wrong, good or bad, here's what happened. Because it was hard for me to get home and to get past this roadblock, I went home less. <laughs> so I said, Mom and Dad, I'm sorry. Like, I'm, just, I'm just not coming to see you. I'm not going to sit in traffic in Louisville to come and see you. I was hindered, you might say, from going to see my family. And that idea illustrates the same analogy that I think Paul is trying to get across to the Galatians in this passage. He asks in verse 7, he says, You are running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This word hinder... Uh, it literally means introducing an obstacle that stands sharply in the way of a moving object, like blocking off a road. And so th this idea that Paul is trying to get across to the Galatians is that there are these false teachers that we've been talking about for the last several weeks, right? These false teachers who came in behind Paul and said, oh, no, 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 it's not enough just to believe in Jesus. You must also be circumcised. You must keep the law. And they've, they've hindered or they've made it hard for the Galatian people to experience this freedom in Christ. What does it look like to really live an unhindered free life in Christ? And, and they can't find that because of this roadblock that these Judaizers or false teachers have put there. But I think if we think about our own lives, if I think about my life, if I think about my pursuit of Christ, if you think about your pursuit of Christ, I think many of us can also think about something like the Sherman-Minton Bridge, something that hinders us 
from really pursuing Christ. It's not that we can't get there. It's not that we, we can't get around it. But, but instead, we just choose to allow that thing to be a reason that we don't pursue Christ and to pursue that freedom with all that we have and, and all that we are. For the Galatians, it took this one issue of circumcision to upset everything that they believed to be true about Jesus. And so as we begin this morning, I want us to think, what is that one issue for me? What's that one issue, that, that one experience that maybe I've had in my, my past? That somebody did something to me. Somebody said something to me. Somebody um, just really challenged the way that I thought. And then it, it caused everything that I believed to, to really be challenged or, or to be doubted. What's that one question that, that really has pursued, you know, pushed into you and, and made you doubt everything that you believe to be true about Jesus? And maybe for you it's not a season of doubt or, or a bad experience with church that's done that. Maybe for you it's, it's the good things in life that ended up becoming obstacles. You know, we sometimes we'll, we'll press into good disciplines or good habits or, or good hobbies that, that while good, then end up becoming a roadblock to our pursuit of Christ. Paul writes in, in verses 7 through 12, he says, you are running well, right? Can you think back to those seasons in your life where you are running well with Christ? Who hindered you from obeying the truth? What got in the way? This persuasion is not from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view, and the one who is troubling you will bear the penalty, whoever he is. But if I, brothers, still preach circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. Paul makes a really interesting observation here. He says, so often we think about our pursuit of Christ, we think about our community, we think about the church, and we think about all of these issues. Paul says, guys, the issues aren't always the issue. The issue is that it's hard for people to believe with all their heart, mind, and soul that Jesus Christ would die for them and give them the free gift of grace. He said, that's what's hard for people to get around. But he's still frustrated. I love this. He's, he's a human, right? He's still frustrated with the Judaizers. Verse 12 says, I wish those who unsettle you would emasculate themselves. He says, forget circumcision. Just off with it. Like, Let's, let's be done with this, right? He's still very frustrated with those people. It's hard for him to get over the fact that these people would come and throw a roadblock in these people's faith. We're all slowed down by something, right? We're all hindered by something in different seasons of life. Sometimes good things, sometimes bad things, sometimes experiences that, that we should never have to go through. Sometimes people say things to us that should never be said. And we can't get around those experiences. We can't get around that, what that one person said or did. We can't get around this one belief that someone used to exclude people from the kingdom of God. We can't get around how we were treated or, or we don't understand why we were told no. And it's important for us to answer the question, what is that for you? What frustrates you as you try and walk in freedom with Christ? Because if we don't know what frustrates us, we will struggle to know what frees us. But here's where the love of Christ gets really incredibly radical. And Paul captures it in this passage, and it, it just blew my mind as I, I read this passage this week, because as frustrated as Paul was with these Judaizers, as much as they had hindered maybe the faith of an entire group of people, 
Paul doesn't exclude those very people from the same love of Christ that freed the Galatians. Uh, Watch Paul put that radical nature of God's love firmly into place. Look with me if you've got your Bible open, verses 12 and then 13 and following. Paul says about the Judaizers, I wish those who unsettle you would emasculate themselves. That's pretty rough. He's pretty frustrated. The very next verse, For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. In one verse, he says, I'm frustrated with these guys just like you are. And in the very next one, he says, would you serve them? Because if you're not willing to serve them, you're no different than them. The freedom that you want, the freedom that you desire, you're not using that freedom for what it's supposed to be used for. You're the same as them if you won't serve and love those people. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. You see, if you want to be free, if you want to unlock freedom, you have to use that freedom to serve those around you who are slowing you down, who are hindering you, who are in the way of your pursuit of Christ. It's the only thing that makes sense as we read about this radical love of Jesus. How you use your freedom reveals how free you are. Let me say it again. How you use your freedom reveals how free you are. See, if you use your freedom to hold others in bondage, if you use your freedom to get what you want, then you're not really free. You're living a life of self-justification, of self-righteousness, of trying to make yourself right. As As Paul writes in the beginning verses of this chapter, if that's what you're doing, you're severed from Christ. Unlocking freedom isn't about being a Jesus rebel. It's about your freedom to join Jesus outside the gates, right? Going outside to radically love your neighbor as yourself. This is Jesus' message the whole time he was here. Uh, All through the Gospels, we hear Jesus coming back to to what we claim is the mission of Christ Community Church, to love God, to love people, and to love our community. Matthew 7, 12, Jesus is preaching, and he, he writes words that are maybe familiar to you if you've never been in church. Whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. He explains further in uh, Romans chapter 13, verses 9 through 10. He says, For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and any other commandment are summed up in this word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor, and therefore love is the fulfilling of the law. All of those things that we can get caught up in, all of those things that we can have arguments and disagreements about, he said, if you would just think about how you love the other person, how you love your neighbor in those moments, the law would be fulfilled. And when you use your freedom to love and serve your neighbor as you love yourself, then you are truly free. You are truly free. How do I know that? Because Christ himself is the ultimate example of that. See, Jesus Christ was more free than, than, I mean, he's God. He was seated at the right hand of God, the one who created all things. He's been there for all of time. There is no beginning and no end. He's more free than any of us could ever dream or imagine of being. And he used that freedom to leave the right hand of God. And to be born as a baby, a helpless baby, 
unable to feed or take care of himself, giving up all of those things so that he could love and serve you. To love and serve you by being nailed to a cross. He bled out for you. He came back from the dead so that you could go back to the throne with him. Jesus used his freedom for that. So how will you use your freedom? Because how you use your freedom reveals how free you really are. In Luke chapter 10, there's a really interesting encounter between Jesus and a man. The man is a lawyer, and so if you're a lawyer in the audience today, uh, don't take this personally. Or you can take it personally. I don't know if God's speaking to you. Just do what you need to. I'm a lawyer only by name, not by trade. So um, anyway, there's a lawyer, and this lawyer stood up, and he wanted to put Jesus to the test. He wanted to put Jesus to the test. How many of us want to put Jesus to the test, if we're real honest? We've got some hard questions we want to ask him. He said, teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? That's what I really want to know, right? Like, I just want to live forever. What shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus looks back at him because he's Jesus and he's really smart. And he says, well, lawyer, what is written in the law? How do you read it? Because he knows he's an expert in that, right? He knows the law. And the lawyer answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus looks back at him and he said, That's it. You've answered correctly. Do this and you'll live. End of story, right? No, the lawyer's not done. I love what the, the passage says. It says, But he... Desiring to justify himself. Desiring to justify himself. Wanting to make himself right. Wanting to be the one, the expert, the one who had it figured out. Desiring to justify himself said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and he fell among robbers, who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, it says, a priest was going down that road. Surely a priest would love him, right? And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. On the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him, he bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, and then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. And then Jesus says, Which of these three do you think, lawyer, proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? And the lawyer said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus looked back at him and he said, you go and do likewise. Which side of the road are you on? Are you walking by those that seem as though they are a hindrance to your plans? 
Are you walking by those that seem like they're a roadblock to the life and the faith that you think you want? Are you isolating yourself on the other side of the road and then in the same moment wondering why you're lonely? Or are you showing mercy to all, no matter their race, no matter their religion, no matter their gender, their sexuality, or their political affiliation? Are you showing mercy to all? Are you loving your neighbor as yourself? Here in just a minute, um, so let's talk about the tables for just a second, okay? Um, Tori Smith has helped us out with this. He's an awesome guy. He helped us get the tables in here this week, and um, he's also helped to arrange uh, some free sausage biscuits that you all are about to get, uh, courtesy of Hardy's in Shelbyville. So you're going to get a sausage biscuit and some water. They're going to start coming around with those things, and we're going to give you guys a chance to, to have some conversation Uh, around several questions, but one of the questions that I want you to think about is this. What does it look like to be the good Samaritan in our culture? What does it look like to be the good Samaritan in our culture? You know, it's not every day that I'm driving down the road and I see somebody stripped and beaten and bloodied in the side of, uh, like on the side of the road. I, I don't see that every day, but what does it look like for us to be the good Samaritan in our culture? You know, in our culture, there, are, there is so much noise. Everybody is looking for a platform. Everybody's looking to find their voice. Everybody's looking to be heard. Everybody wants their preferences and their opinions to matter. And those aren't bad things, but it caused me to pause and, and stop and think that maybe, maybe the way that we can best serve one another is simply to listen to one another. To listen to one another. And so today, as you guys have some food and some discussion questions, we're going to give you a few minutes to, to talk, but more than to talk, to listen, to listen to one another. I love what Paul says at the end of this passage, verses 14 and 15. It says, for the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself, but if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. There's a lot of people, uh, many of us probably, in moments that feel lonely, that feel isolated. And if you find yourself lonely, I often think that you're likely not putting yourself in a position to serve other people. See, in this world full of noise, listening to people becomes a great service. And when we listen to other people, it is then when we, we step out of loneliness and isolation into this beautiful relationship, right? And so we, we find ourselves with a choice because of the gospel to listen or to be lonely. And when you fail to listen well, what Paul, what Paul writes in verse 15 is that you end up devouring people. You end up wondering why no one wants to hang out with you. And the truth of the matter is, is that you're consuming one another instead of simply listening and serving. And so as we get ready to, to go into this, there's three quick tips that I think we can give for serving one another through listening. How do we listen well? And, and not just around our tables today, but as we leave this place, as we go outside into our world, and as we, we interact with our family and our coworkers and the people that we spend life with. So three tips really quickly, and then we're going to give you guys some, uh, some chance to talk. Number one, identify the people you're with the most and know the least. 
Who are the people in your life that you're with the most and you know the least? These people may live in the same house as you, and you don't truly know them. Who are the people you're with the most and know the least? Coaches, coworkers, neighbors. Maybe it's your church family. You're with them a lot, but you don't truly know their story. Who are those people? That's, that's a great place to start. It's a who question, right? Who can I learn their story? Who can I listen to? Not only that, but number two, recognize that you can't truly hear someone on social media. You can't truly hear someone on social media. You can't grab nuances or intent. You can't feel true connection. You can't hear tone. You can't understand um, the, the full intention of what somebody was saying. Maybe you can understand more about that person, more about how they think, but you can't truly hear them. It takes real-life conversation to serve someone through listening. And here's, here's just the obvious thing, right? People don't know you've heard what they're saying when you're hearing them on social media. So we have to just be aware of this. We have to recognize that you can't truly hear, you can't truly listen to someone on social media. Number three, seek first to understand and then to be understood. This is from Franklin Covey, uh, totally stolen. But it's a really good principle. So this is really convicting for me and myself, right? So often I come into a conversation, I'm like, if I could just get people to understand my idea, if I could just get them to buy into what I'm, I'm trying to say, if I could just get them to grasp, if I could just get them to get it, then we would be good. But what if, what if we served others by doing those things for them? What if we tried to understand what they were trying to say? What if we tried to understand where they were coming from? What if we tried to understand what they were feeling before being understood by them? Listen twice as much as you speak, right? So just as a little primer for the pump, look around your table. Instead of thinking, what am I going to say to these people or what am I going to do? Or what do I feel about sitting at this table with these people? Think for a minute about what everyone else around your table thought when they came in today. What did everybody else at your table think before they came in today? If you have a personality like mine, you're already stressed because there's no place to sit your Bible. You don't really want to interact with new people and you don't want to look anybody in the eye. You just came to go to church. And then there's like you super socialites. You're out there, and you're like, ooh, something new, and I'm going to talk to people. And I'm like, you make me sick. <laughs> but here's the thing. There's a little bit of something for everybody, because even if you're an introvert, you can be really good at listening, right? Listening is a great way to serve people, whether you're introverted, extroverted, no matter your personality. And so we should be seeking first to understand before being understood. All right. So... We're going to get 15 minutes around our table, and um, here's, here's the goal. Listen twice as much as you speak. Okay, everyone's like, how are we going to do this? Because he just told us to listen to people and not to say anything. It's just going to be silence for 15 minutes. No, the goal is to listen twice as much as you speak, all right? So you can speak a little bit and then listen for a while, okay? Now, the next thing you're wondering is like, what are we going to talk about? We're going to give you three questions. Those, are like, they're, they're just questions. They're just a guide. But we think they might be able to help you get started. And we're also going to help every table pick a leader, all right? So here's what we're going to do. Everybody look around your table. 
Think in your mind. You don't have to say anything yet. Just think in your mind, who should be the leader of this table? Don't say anything. Just look. Think in your head. Okay? And here in a minute, I'm going to count to three, and everybody is going to point at who they think should be the leader of their table. And the majority of, of points gets to be the leader, all right? All right. Y'all aren't very good at this game. You're talking. You're like, you're, okay, I'm just kidding. All right, here we go. Everybody got the person in their mind? On the count of three, you're going to point at who you think should be the leader. One, two, three, point. <laughs> all right. All right. Very good. Everyone should have a leader. Everyone should have a leader. Okay. All right, give me 10 more seconds, and then I'm going to let you go. I promise. Here's your three questions. You're going to have 15 minutes. You guys can talk through this, and then we're going to come back together and worship at the end of this, all right? Number one, a little bit of an icebreaker. Would you rather live in a world where there are no problems or live in a world where you rule? Explain. Love that little tag. Explain. Uh, number two, what does it look like to be the good Samaritan in our culture? And number three, who around the table do you wish you knew better and what intrigues you about them? All right, 15 minutes. Have some conversation. Listen twice as much as you speak. Go. All right, three, two, one. Now the true test. We're going to see if we can get people to stop talking. Hey, I hope you were, I hope you were encouraged by your time listening and speaking and uh, sharing with one another. And uh, here in just a few moments, um, I don't know if you've ever realized this or been a part of this, but another a great way to be encouraged is just to be with a group of people that sings together. I know that sounds really weird, but when you, when you stand and, and you hear other people singing with you, uh, it's a great way to be encouraged. We're going to do that here in a minute as we respond. Uh, each week we respond to the gospel, right? When, when we come into contact with the story of Jesus, a, a man who used his freedom to come and die for us, right? When you come into contact with that story, I, it, it should do something in you. Like, it should evoke something in you. And that's why we do a next step. That's why we talk about how we respond. And uh, so today, uh, you'll see there on your table just a communication card. And uh, that serves a couple of purposes for us today. Uh, on the front, there's information, and, and we want to use that so that we can do a better job of communicating with you. But on the back, um, it has several options of how you might respond or take a next step, uh, how you might engage with the community here at Christ Community. And, and then maybe my favorite square on the whole card is a little blue one that just says, how, how can we be praying for you? <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, the pastor elders, the leaders of Christ Community, we want to be praying for you. We want to be listening to how we might better serve you. We want to be listening to how we might be able to, to be connecting with you and your families and helping you as you uh, walk in freedom with Christ. And so we want to give you guys just a, a couple of seconds here in this moment to fill those out. 
At the end of today, there's a box uh, on your way out, and we just encourage you to drop those in. Um, so whether you've been here since launch team days or today's your first day, we want everybody to fill one of those out if we could. <coughs> Goodness. Sausage biscuit tickling my throat. As you do that and as we get ready to respond, the band's going to come back and we're going to sing a couple songs together. I want to encourage us to think about uh, this truth that we talked about at the beginning of today. That God loves us and God hears us. God hears you. He knows before you've ever said it what you're thinking. <coughs> and so today, I don't, I don't know what your story is necessarily. I don't know what your week has looked like. But the same invitation that, that Jesus gave to people so long ago is the invitation that he gives to us today. To trust him. To take all of those things in our life that are hindrances and lay them at the foot of the cross. Knowing that he hears our hurts and our pains and our fears. Jesus wants nothing more than to see you trust him with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind and all your strength. If you've never done that, there'll be people in the back corner that want to pray with you and introduce you to Jesus. Maybe you've just got a big hindrance that you just need some, some prayer for and you want to spend some time with somebody. Uh, I encourage you to do that there. Each Sunday we also <coughs> excuse me. We also take time to remember the sacrifice that Christ made through uh, communion. And on each side of the room, it's going to be a little crazy, a little messy today with the tables. On, on each side of the room, you have the opportunity to go and to partake in the Lord's Supper. Something that Jesus instituted in the upper room. And in that moment, he said, do this in remembrance of me. Remember that I served you first. Remember that I hear you. Remember that I love you. Don't forget those things. And if you've trusted Jesus... He wants you to remember that. So if you've trusted him and you've followed him in baptism, we invite you to come and partake in those. Take a piece of the bread, dip it in the juice, representing the body and blood of Christ shed for you to serve you. <coughs> we also have opportunities to give in the back. And when we give as a church, we are able to give to our community. It's a spirit of generosity, again, led by Jesus. And so, just as we always do, we're going to respond. We're going to sing. We're going to remember. We're going to be generous. Not because it's the right thing to do. Not because the law says so. But because Jesus did it all for us first. That's what we remember. That's what we celebrate. And that's why we even get together. Because of the great story of that man, Jesus Christ. Would you stand with me as we pray? and begin that time together. Heavenly Father, the Spirit inside of us cries out, Abba, Father, we just want to be with you. We want to know you. We want to trust you. And yet, this world throws so many hindrances, so many things in the way of that. 
So our prayer this morning, God, is that you would, would give us that spirit to just help us listen to you. Help us listen to you this morning in this moment, God. Help us to hear your voice speaking truth, that you love us, that you hear us, that you will never forsake us, that you want for us more than we could ever want for ourselves, that you are generous, that you heal us. Help us to hear the truth of the gospel in our hearts and in our minds and in our lives this morning as we sing, as we respond, and as we go outside with your son Jesus. We pray in his name. Amen.